couple things I want to share with you. First of all, we're going to have a Celebrate Recovery informational meeting this morning that right after this service is going to happen right over here. Um, right now, uh, a couple of sign-up sheets are going to come around. One of those is going to be to put your name down uh, to be a part of one of those Celebrate Recovery small groups that we're going to have. We're going to have a men's group and a, and a women's group. Um, if you just have no idea what Celebrate Recovery is, last week Linda made a, uh, an announcement about it and Tim uh, said something too, but we, we want you to know that this is for everything, I f everybody. I feel like I should come up here and say, hi, my name is Nick. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and I struggle with just about everything some of the time. And so, um, and, and Celebrate Recovery just gives us a place to be in a safe place to share those burdens with each other and to, to, to be prayed for and, uh, and to, to receive help uh, walking away from our sin. Grace and truth. Jesus says, I don't condemn you. And he says, but your sin is destructive, and I don't want you to walk in it anymore. So we're going to have a Celebrate Recovery informational meeting right over here afterwards. Uh, second thing is, and I want to pray for this this morning. I want to pray for this couple. Um, they've been such a, a great, great couple to have here. Uh, Tyler and Megan, this is their last Sunday with us. Okay. Sorry. We love them a little more than that. So let's say this is, this is their last Sunday with us. Oh, yeah. Much better. <laughs> but we love them so much. Uh, they're headed down to Texas. They're, they're going home to Texas. You know, Texans just love Texas. Um, and so uh, we want to pray for them this morning. Um, and so if you see them, give them, a, give them, give them an actual hug. Um, another thing I want to pray for is our, our uh, brothers and sisters in Iraq being persecuted and killed for their, for their faith. Um, if, you, if you're on Facebook, raise your hand if you're on Facebook. I want you this, this week, if you're not friends uh, uh, with Don Anderson, just type in Don Anderson and go to his site. He's got a ton of information as to what is actually going on over in Iraq um, with the Christians. And uh, we, we just want to pray for them that they would have strength um, to, to be bold in their faith, strength in their faith, but not strength within themselves, strength within Christ. And uh, that they would stand firm to the end, um, and, and that if God sees fit, that he would save them out of this. We really want them to be saved out of this. And so um, let, let me just pray uh, for us this morning, and uh, as we begin these next few songs, the offering is going to come around. If you're a visitor, it's not for you, um, but what, what we do want you to do is take the little tab, put your information on it, and put it into the, uh, the offering bag as they come around, because we would love to stay in touch with you. So let's just pray together. God, we, uh, we know that you are our all-powerful God, and we are here to worship you this morning. Uh, I just want to say thank you that Tyler and Megan were here for the time that we were, they were here. Um, God, thank you that uh, they're having a little baby, and uh, just that they get to move back to Texas and be uh, around family and, and begin a life there uh, with their family. And God, I just pray that you would go with them, that they would uh, seek after you in everything that they do, that they would... Um, stay strong in their faith, God, that they would find a church to be a part of, God, that we would stay in contact with them and that we would dedicate to pray for them. Uh, we love them so much. Thank you for the time that you've given them with us. God, we want to lift up uh, the Christians in Iraq being persecuted, being killed. God, I, I can't even imagine. I can hope um, that I would stand firm um, if my family uh, was going through that. God, give us strength. Um, as we pray for them, give them strength to stand firm in their faith. God, thank you that you've called us 
to, to suffering sometimes for the name of Jesus, but in the name of Jesus, it is all worth it because our hope is much bigger than just here on earth. Uh, so we love you, God, and we thank you for that. We thank you for your promises. We need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, we're going through there. Before I begin, though, I, I wanted to recognize one thing. You know, I was speaking, it was probably uh, maybe back in June, and I was letting you know how many years I had been married. And if you remember, I, I struggled with that a little bit. My wife was not here that day. She was teaching Sunday school. And I, I would think that as we're together in this time, that those kind of things would be kept between us. But apparently that was not the case. And uh, it got back to my wife that uh, I did not remember how many years I had been married. So I want to make that up to her today. Today is our 12-year anniversary, August 17th, 2002. Yes, thank you. More of a hand to her for putting up with me for 12 years. But I have been blessed to have such a partner as she's been you know, a great confidant, a great friend, somebody who has really pushed me and strived me uh, for me to be like Christ. And uh, so God gave me a great helpmate and a great partner in that, and, and for that I'm very appreciative. Uh, I have, uh, our first year we got married, I took her over to Paris for our first year anniversary. Uh, so we went there, we spent some time in Paris for our anniversary year number one. Pretty cool, right? Setting the bar kind of high. Uh, year two, I took her over to London, okay, and then we spent a little time in Ireland, okay, again, uh, setting the bar pretty high. Year 12, we're going to go over to Red Lobster tonight. <laughs> Have a good old time at the Red Lobster, get some crab and whatnot. She loves me. She loves me. All right, so I, I just wanted to wish my wife a happy anniversary, year number 12. This morning... We're not here to talk about my anniversary. We're here to talk about Mark chapter 8. So go ahead and turn there. Mark chapter 8. We're going to be in the middle of the chapter, uh, starting at verse 22. Here's what it says. They came to uh, Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't go in to the village. A whole four or five verses we're going to look at today that should excite you a little bit. We're going to start in verse 22. Here's what it says. They came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. Okay, so we showed you the map the last couple of weeks of where we are. Uh, Bethsaida is right up the Sea of Galilee, right there in the north, kind of northeast. You see it over in red there. Okay, now what you want to know about this region is there's mentioned a couple times in the Bible. Uh, one of the times it will talk about Peter and his brother Andrew. This is where they were born. Okay, so there's some significance there as we're going to encounter Peter later in this chapter answering the question, being asked the question from Jesus, who do you say that I am? And we're going to look at that next week. It's also where the first 
feeding of the 5,000 took place. So they know Jesus, they recognize him, they know even some of his disciples. If you read in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus sends a curse down on this little town. And if you would know today, that town no longer exists. Lesson learned, okay? So stay away from that. They have found it, they found some remnants, they think, uh, back in 2009, they're really not sure, but it's kind of cool to look at uh, some of the era they found uh, dating back to the Roman era, and then also before that. So anyway, that, that's the, the little town we're looking at. That's where they're at. So they came to him, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. They begged Jesus to touch this blind man. Here's the story this morning. It's a story of a, a little miracle right in the middle of this Mark chapter 8. And if you look at it, you're kind of, okay, all right, you know, last week, uh, Nick was speaking to us, and you see the feeding of the 4,000, the second feeding of that large crowd. And then at the end of the chapter, there's almost the climax. When Jesus asked Peter the question, who do you say that I am? And Peter's response is remarkable. Because for the first time, it seems like Peter gets it. So we look at this story, and we're wondering, why is this, this story, you know, you got these short five verses of this man being healed right in the middle of all that. But why is that in there? And I think to understand and know why that's in there, you need to look at what else is going around on around this, okay, before it and after it. We see Peter respond to Jesus' questions, who do you say that I am? But before that, we see in the first part of Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 10, we see the disciples, and you know what? The disciples don't understand. They don't get it. And then you look at verses 11 through 20, the Pharisees, the religious people, the teachers of the law, they don't understand. And verse 21, Jesus asked the question, do you still not understand? Still don't get it? Right? The disciples had been following him. They'd been with him every day, listened to his teaching, talking with him and yet they still don't get it. The religious people, they knew God's word, they studied God's word, and yet they still don't understand. They still don't get it. If you would read commentaries on this small little portion, this not small miracle, but this small little story in the book of Mark, you know what everybody says? It says that story is there to teach us something, right? That's pretty obvious. That story is there on purpose. Mark was very intentional in putting that story right there because we're following up the disciples and the religious leaders not understanding. And then we're seeing Peter, one of the disciples, seem to get it right after this. See, many people talk the story, yeah, it's a great story of the healing power of Jesus. The Messiah comes, he touches him, and he's healed. But what does it mean for us? What does it mean for his disciples? It means for us, and the point of the story, and what Mark is trying to get at here, is that we are all spiritually blind. Every single one of us, spiritually blind. And it's important, if you want to encounter Jesus and you want to know the healing power and the healing touch of Jesus, you must first understand that you're blind. You are spiritually blind blind. The disciples with him for years didn't get it. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, didn't understand. 
everyone, the religious, the irreligious, the good, the bad, all of us are spiritually blind. And the point of this story is that we understand that. We're spiritually blind. But the beautiful thing of this section, this little story, is it tells us how we can be cured of spiritual blindness. We must first understand that we, this section in Mark tells us, and the entire Bible is going to tell us, we all spiritually blind. You must understand that. You must know that on a personal level, that I am spiritually blind. But the beautiful thing in this portion, this beautiful thing that we are told in this story, is that there is a cure for spiritual blindness. There is one who can heal us of this spiritual blindness. So two ways in which you can be healed of this spiritual blindness. Two ways, okay, if you're taking notes. First thing we need to, be, to realize, if you, are, if you want to be cured of your spiritual blindness, it happens in stages. The second point is, if you want to be cured of your spiritual blindness, it happens in community. It happens in stages, and it happens in community. So we're going to look at it. Back to the story. It says, And some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? Okay, so Jesus shows up, spits, touches the man's eyes. Do you see anything? Here's his response. He looked up and he said, I see people, and they look like trees walking around. Or as the King James Version says, men as trees walking. Now, this is peculiar, isn't it? Here is the great healer, Jesus, and if you look at any other story of his healing power, any other miracle he does, you know what never happens in those other miracles? Never happens in stages. It's always, guy's healed. He's made better. Jesus, right, with the woman who was begging at him, remember when we were looking at Mark chapter 7, the Phoenician woman there begging Jesus, right, heal my daughter, heal my daughter. Her daughter's not even there. Jesus says, hey, go home, she's fine. You know what, her daughter was fine. Jesus didn't need to be there. Jesus didn't even need to take multiple times to heal this guy. Like any other time that he does it, and you can look at all Jesus' healings, and they're all different, right? You look at that woman, the Phoenician woman, send her home, daughter's fine. The very next story in it, you got the deaf mute. What's he do? Okay, touches his tongue, touches his ears, be opened, guy's healed. Did he need to do that? No. When, when Jesus does this type of thing, who's he doing it for? Is he doing it because he has to? Is he doing it for himself? No, Jesus is doing it to teach, whether it be the recipient, whether it be the disciples, and whether it be us. There is a lesson in why Jesus is doing it. And the reason that Jesus is doing it, and you can again read through all these commentaries, and every commentator pretty much has the same perspective on this. That the reason this story is in here, and the reason Mark told us this story and put it right here, is because he wants us to realize that healing happens in stages. If the Savior, if Jesus, the great healer, is to make you well, 
You have to have many touches from Jesus. Many touches. This guy, right, at first he says, I see men as, as trees walking. And I thought, well, what does that look like? So I Googled it. And, and my, this was my first image. This might be why he was a little confused. Okay, I mean, he sees men as trees walking. That was the first one. I got a little better image here. Here's the second one. That was my Google image, men as trees walking. Right? Okay, I see, but it, it's not really clear, right? It's, I really can't see all the way. But he's not done. He goes back to Jesus. I, you know, I, I really can't see here. I, I, I think I see. I'm not really sure what I see, right? He had some sort of, had not seen before, but he probably had touched a person and touched a tree. He understood what it should look like, and in some version, they were kind of combined. So did Jesus touch him? Did Jesus begin to heal him? Absolutely. But he wasn't done, was he? Same thing happens in our life. We can think of a moment in time in our life, some of us maybe think of a moment in time in our life where we know we felt the healing power of Jesus. Maybe it was that initial time when we gave our life, when we realized we had a great need for a Savior, when we realized we must be forgiven for our sins, when we realized if we need to spend an eternity in heaven, we need to know the healing power of Jesus. We need to be touched by him, by the Messiah, by Jesus. And so some of us had that touch. But if you're like this guy, we knew that we didn't see clearly right at first, right? It wasn't all made clear right at first. See, with Jesus and to be healed spiritually, there has to be continuous touches from the great healer, continuous touches from Jesus. If you would look back, and I can look back at my life, and I can look and I can think, you know what, I'm not the same person I used to be. Would you say that about yourself? As you look back at yourself, looking at your old self, how you used to be, look back a year, five years, some of you can look back ten years, and some of you can look back a whole lot longer than that. But as you look back on your old self, we're not, hopefully, who we used to be. I, I remember Stu, many of you know Stu Modraevsky. Stu and I uh, were full-time on the church, staffed together for, for over five years. He was the worship pastor while I was the youth pastor, and, and Stu, uh, I remember talking to him one time, and I was complaining about something, you know, I had a tendency to do that, complaining, oh, you know, this is frustrating right now, here's what I'm frustrated with, and, and Stu turns to me, he goes, oh, I used to be like that. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it sounds a little condescending, but, you know, I, okay, Stu, I, you know, I, I laughed it off or whatever, and I still give him a hard time about it, but as I was preparing for this message, yeah, it made sense, because as I look back at that moment, thinking of what we were talking about and, and really me trying to come grips with, he had seen something that maybe I hadn't yet seen. Maybe yet I hadn't had that touch from Jesus, that another healing touch that I needed to experience in my life from Jesus, that he would touch me and I would understand it. And hopefully we can look back in our lives and look and, and say, you know what, the, yeah, I remember that. And I see things differently now because of Jesus, right? It's a little more clearer now than it was then. Because it doesn't happen just, you know, one time, all right, I'm fine, I'll go on. No, I need that continual healing touch from Jesus. It has implications because anybody who believes in Jesus 
anyone who has been touched by Jesus, you know what it means for us? Is that we can't look at other people, maybe like Stu did a little bit with me, and we can't say, oh man, that guy's a fool, right? Because we can only see because of who. The only reason we can see at all and have any kind of spiritual sight is because the healer has touched us, because Jesus has touched us. And I can never look at somebody and say, I, I, that person's clueless. I do, right? Spend five minutes on Facebook, I say that. I do, but why? It's because they haven't been touched like I've been touched by Jesus. So my whole world changes when Jesus touches you. Everything you believe, the way you act, the things you do, when Jesus touches us, it's different, isn't it? And, and we can never look at somebody and say, oh, that guy's clueless, that guy's a fool. In fact, you go to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus even says, hey, no, you fool, right? He says, never use that language. Because the only reason I have any sight, however limited that might be, is because Jesus has touched me. Because Jesus has given me at least, in part, some spiritual sight. I think here, here's the reality, is the way you know you are seeing right, the way you know you are being spiritually healed, your spiritual blindness, of your spiritual blindness, is that you realize you have spiritual blindness. Okay, until we realize that we are spiritually blind, we can't be healed. Now imagine this guy right here, seeing this and being like, oh yeah, I can see, yeah, all right, I got it. Well, uh, there, there's a guy, you probably heard of him, Dr. Um, uh, no, Martin Lloyd, okay? Martin Lloyd-Jones, he wrote, he has a sermon, a famous sermon, Men as Trees Walking. And he said, if this guy at this moment said, all right, you know what, I can see I'm healed. You know what he would have done? He would have spent his entire life chopping down people and talking to trunks. Because he didn't see clearly, did he? If at that moment... He had seen it. He would not have seen clearly. But instead, what's he do? This is, this is to me, this is pretty, pretty amazing. He goes back to Jesus. The, the Messiah has touched him, right? Jesus has touched him, and yet he goes back to him. I don't think you did it right. Isn't that an amazing thing to say to Jesus? I don't, you know, I know you said you healed me, but I don't know if you did this right. Yeah, that's what he did. He goes back to him. I kind of see, but I don't see in full. I need another touch. Right? Man, that we would be so bold. The Phoenician woman in Mark 7, what'd she do? She begged, she begged, she begged, Jesus, heal my daughter. He didn't listen, he didn't listen, but she continued to beg. Jesus healed her. Jacob, wrestling with God, he held on, he held on. God, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. Right? With boldness. They went. With boldness, they approached God. With boldness, this guy says, Jesus, I don't know. I hate to tell you this. Well, you didn't do it quite right. With boldness, they approached Jesus. Here, here's an important thing. For us that do not believe, for you that sit here this morning that do not believe, that don't understand this, I want you to understand this, that being touched by Jesus is not adopting a religion. 
It's not looking at, okay, here's this list of rules, these things I should be doing, this and that, and just doing it. It's not a self-help. But being healed and being touched and being cured of your spiritual blindness is simply going to Jesus and telling Jesus, you know what, I, I don't see it right. That I know you touched me, but I don't see it right. Or maybe at all, it hasn't happened at all. And, and it's us simply going to Jesus. Jesus, I need you to touch me. See, forget about doing this, that, or another, or doing this list of things, or being a good person, or dumping a bucket of ice water over your head, or whatever else it might be, and doing what instead? Going to the healer. Going to the only one who can give you spiritual sight. Only Jesus can do that. I was 15 at Coronas Bible Camp camp up in Minnesota, and I grew up in this church my entire life, and I'm guessing that at some point in those first 14 years, I had heard the message of who Jesus was. I sat in Sunday school every week, I came to church every week, all that. I, I'm sure that I heard this message, but it wasn't until 15 when I was first touched, when for the first time in my life, I had spiritual, some sort of spiritual sight. I saw in part, right? in part. And I remember reading through the Gospel of John. I remember reading that. And I remember for the first time in my life praying, Jesus, I, I, I know, I, after reading this, I know I need you. I, I know I'm lost. I know I'm a sinner. I know I need your healing touch. I know I need to be saved. And at 15 years old, for the first time in my life, I made a decision to put my faith and my hope and my trust in Jesus. That's that initial touch from Jesus. That has to happen. There has to be a point in my life when you know that touch from Jesus. And I hope and I pray that you've experienced that in your life. When you went from dead to alive, when you went from blind to sight, only because of Jesus, not because you can do all these good things or accomplish these great things, but because the Messiah, the Savior, has touched you. That's where it begins. And I was 15 years old at Coronas. But if I look back, it's been 21 years now, if I look back at 21 years later, I'm glad I'm not that 15-year-old kid anymore, right? I'm glad I believe things maybe I didn't believe then. I'm glad that the Savior has touched me a few more times since then. And I'm hoping as I look 20 years down in the future and I look back at this 36-year-old man, I'll say, what a fool. Some of you are saying that right now. I wish you'd realize it sooner. But see, we're never cured. Right now we see in part. Right now you see in part. Do you know that? That right now, you still, you don't have it figured out. Sorry to tell you that. But that you would realize there's still, you still need the touch from the Savior. You still need that healing touch from Jesus. Now we know in part, and may we never be complacent with where we are at. May we never think we have it figured out. 
may we realize, and I'm spiritually blind. I need that touch from the Savior. I need that, that spiritual insight that only Jesus can offer me. I think the problem is that many of us, if you're like me at all, I hope you're not, many of us go through life and many people in life, we go through with this idea and I think it's probably really at the root of about all sin there is. And it's this idea of self-sufficiency. We think we can do it. It's why people, yeah, they're interested in religion because if I get this list, right, you go to any religion, any religion is going to show you that if I do this, I do that, then I've got it. It's kind of a self-help mentality that if I do this, then I can accomplish what I, what I want. I can be the type of person I want to be. But Jesus is not a religion. Jesus is a relationship. And it's a relationship where this person touches me, gives me that spiritual healing, that spiritual sight. Happens only through Jesus. Tim Keller said this, he says, he didn't come to show you how to live a good life and how to die a good death. That's not why Jesus came, that I could do this, this, and live a good life and die a good death. No, instead, he came to live the life you should have and die the death you should have died. See, he came to die for you. He lived the life you should have had. And the only one and the only way you can be healed, you can have spiritual sight, is through that touch of Jesus. I think Mark, no doubt, is showing us that to have spiritual healing for your eyes to be open spiritually, it happens through a process. That it doesn't happen all at once. And I, 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 this is difficult. I, it's difficult because we want people, yeah, okay, here's what happened, this is why, so on and so forth. We look at the story. Many of you know the story of, of Paul, right? Paul in Acts chapter 9, he's on the road to Damascus. You guys familiar with that story? Well, on the road to Damascus, as he walks down this road, Paul encounters Jesus. Okay, and and God opens his eyes for the first time. And Paul was a guy who killed Christians. Paul was a guy who persecuted Christians. And on this road to Damascus, God enlightens Paul in Paul's life. And if you read, it looks like, man, it's changed like that. He goes from a guy who killed Christians, and now he's preaching the gospel. They're coming after him. They want him dead. They're stoning him. They're doing all these things to Paul. And like that, he's changed. We look at that story, okay, we're different, boom. From life to death, from spiritual blindness to spiritual sight. And we see that, and it's frustrating to us because we think, okay, I see Paul, he's like this, and he's like that because Jesus came and he's changed. But I think most of us would identify much more with Peter, right? Because with Peter, well, we talked about it before, Peter looks like he's an idiot, right? So Peter... Doesn't seem to get it, right? Even in Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 10, Jesus tells the disciples, man, you guys don't get it. You guys are clueless. They still don't understand. And then even after this portion, he's asked the question, who do you say I am? And Peter responds correctly. And then like two verses later, Jesus is saying, get behind me, talking to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Right? He rebukes him because it's a process. 
Somewhere in the gospel, somewhere in the book of Mark in the gospels, Peter crosses over from life, from death to life, from blindness to sight, from uh, death to life. Somewhere, Peter crosses over. But if you read through it, it's tough to tell where. Because Peter seems clueless all the time. And even after the fact, Peter still seems like he needs that spiritual touch from Jesus. And I think many of us identify much more with that, don't we? We identify much more with the fact that it's a process. That what God is doing in our life doesn't happen like this. That yes, Jesus has touched us. Yes, I believe in his healing power. But there are many times in my life when I need Jesus to touch me again. Because I fail, I make mistakes, I screw up. Whatever it is, I need that healing power that only Jesus can give. I was talking to my daughter this week, and Ava, who's seven years old, we're having a baptism September 7th, and she's going to be baptized. If you've not been baptized, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, put your trust and your faith and your hope in him and his finished work on the cross, we encourage you to think about baptism. It's not part of salvation, but it's an identification of who Jesus is and what he's done in your life. So we want you to strongly encourage that if you've not been baptized before. I say that. My daughter is going to be baptized. And so I, I was going to quiz her a little bit. And so I started asking her some questions. I'm like, so Ava, so if someone would, I'd say, Ava, first, tell me how you'd get to heaven. And she said, no, I believe in Jesus. I said, Ava, so tell me a second. If you were to tell somebody how they may too also get to heaven and have a relationship with Jesus, what would you say? So, well, you know, I mean, they, it's, uh, Jesus went to the cross and he died for my sins, right? Well, childlike faith. Ava understands. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. He died for my, he died for my sins. I believe in that. Ava get it. She got it. And then I asked her the question, so Ava, when was that point in your life when you made that decision? And she got this look on her face and she started looking around like, I, I don't know the answer. Am I in trouble? What, what am I going to do here? I said, no, there, there's no wrong answer. What you've said, you've said Awesome. And, and I had asked her that question, not even thinking about this, but that's exactly what it was. She, she didn't remember when, but she knew, right? She knew she needed Jesus. She knew she needed that touch, that forgiveness. And I, we, we talked about it a while. We talked about Sunday school and the impact, Debbie, that you had on Ava. And I remember one specific Sunday, her coming up to me. But that's not the point, is it? The point is that we've been touched and the point is that it's a process. As it was with Peter, it's a process. We may be forgiven. We may have had that touch, but we need to continue to be touched throughout our life, to have that spiritual touch from Jesus. And that would be our hope and our prayer, that we would continue to have that touch, that we would never be satisfied with where we are at. And we don't want to get hung up on this Paul model. We want to look and look at this great example of Peter, not that he's always a great example in the Gospels, but it's a great example to us of, you know what, this is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. Now, I want to change. I want to grow. I want to get into the Word. I want to spend time in prayer. I want to worship Him. But understand that, you know what, I make mistakes. I'm going to ask and have to ask Jesus to come and touch me, to heal me. Healing, this spiritual blindness, happens in stages. And the second part is it happens in community. If you go back to verse 22, 
Here's what it says. It says, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. Would this man have been healed by Jesus had his friends, and they are friends, right? They come to Jesus and begging him to heal him. Would he have been healed if his friends didn't bring him? You can answer. No. Right? If his friends didn't bring him to Jesus, they would not have been healed. This man would not have been healed. We have a, our mission statement here at Creekside is simple. Leading people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus Christ. This is our mission statement. It's what we want to be about because we believe this is what Jesus has called us as individuals and us as a church to be on a mission about. Leading people to a devoted relationship with Jesus, right? Everywhere. Everywhere. They need that healing touch of Jesus. And those that have been touched by Jesus are those that can point people to this great healer. That's part of our mission statement. The second point is it's not only just for people that don't know Jesus, but for us that know Jesus, that have a relationship with Jesus, that have been touched. It's continual, isn't it? It's a process, isn't it? And we need to be in relationship, in community. What does that mean? It means, you, man, we need, I know I'm preaching the choir on this, we need to be here. Sunday morning, so we can be with each other, so we can hear the Word of God preached, so we can worship together. We can take communion, remember what Jesus has done. We're starting small groups in four weeks. If you want to be grow, and if you want to know and experience spiritual sight, continual spiritual sight, you need to be in a small group. We encourage and we challenge each other. We dig into the Word. Relationships are built there. You need to be a part of it. After church today, right? Celebrate recovery. What a way. I, 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 from Nick's email, I, I copy this down. It said this, We all need a safe place to share and connect with one another and with God. We all need a place where we can heal so we can better serve the kingdom of God. If we are to grow, if we are to experience spiritual sight, be healed of the spiritual blindness. It happens in community. It happens in relationship. Small groups, church, celebrate recovery. You need close, personal friends that are going to encourage and challenge you. People like who Stu was in my life, hey, you know what? You don't see that right. Even look at Paul and Peter. Peter, right? Uh, Nick shared this last week. It's not what, or, or it was a couple weeks ago, not what you know, goes in, but what comes out, right? And Peter still didn't get it. You go back and you read later, and Paul's basically rebuking Peter because he still needed that spiritual touch. We, in relationships, that's where it happens. We got to encourage and challenge each other at times. Now, it doesn't mean I just want to hang out with somebody that's going to continually tell me all the wrong that I do. Oh, by the way, that outfit and your hair, that's got to go too. It's not just that. But we want somebody that would encourage us but when the time needs to be done, would say, you know what, you, you don't see that right. You don't quite see it. You need, and you point them to Jesus, the one who can touch them, the one who can heal them of that. I'm going to ask Nick and Tim and the rest of the, the, the uh, worship team to come back up. I want to leave you with this final verse. It's verse 26. 
And if you want to be healed, ultimately, Jesus ultimately heal your spiritual blindness. Verse 26 sums it up. Here's what it says. Jesus sent them home saying, don't go into the village. Well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Why does that cure spiritual blindness? If you read through the rest of the Gospel of Mark, you're going to see Jesus say this time and time again. Don't go tell. Don't tell anybody what just happened. Don't say it to anybody. Well, why is he telling them that? Here's why. He's telling them that because when word gets out of what Jesus is capable of, the Roman Empire, the religious leaders, what do they want to do? They want to kill him. They want him dead. They want to get rid, find some way to get rid of Jesus. And every time Jesus uses his redemptive power, every time he performs a miracle like this or displays that he is the Messiah, you know what he's doing? He's driving the nails into his hand. And the reason he's telling this guy, don't go tell anybody, and the reason he says it over and over in Mark is because he still has work left to do. There is still more to do. Tim Keller says this, and I basically just said it. He said, every time Jesus uses his redemptive power, he is driving nails into his own hands. Jesus was willing to leave the light and be plunged into darkness. Willing to leave the light and be plunged into darkness. Every time. The reason he said this, every time his redemptive power, every time he displays he is the Messiah, he's driving those nails into his hand. And Jesus to see our spiritual blindness healed, man, had to be plunged into darkness. So this morning, we, we want to remember him. We want to worship him. And we, we want to pray. I don't care where we are in our life. I don't care where I am in my life. I need to see better. Now I see in part. Now I see in part. May we continue to pray. Man, that God would reveal himself. That God would touch us. That God would help us to see more clearly. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus, the great physician, the great healer. God, may, may you begin and continually touch us and heal us of our spiritual blindness. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his death and his resurrection and his power over death, sin, and hell and the grave. We want to remember him and his work and the bread and the juice now. We pray these things and we ask it in Jesus' name. Just hallelujah, we sing hallelujah.
God above, we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus. God, we pray that we would experience his healing touch, that our sight, that our blindness would be turned into sight. God, God we, we, we want to leave here dissatisfied, dissatisfied with how much we see, with dissatisfied with, with how much we know of you. God, may, may we long and yearn for your healing touch. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he came, that the blind may have sight. We pray these things and we ask it in the name of Jesus.